And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Today, Pastor Elliot begins a sermon on these verses. We will start by saying that we are all under sin. And four different New Testament Greek words for sin will be explained. We all need a lawyer. And now, with his message for this morning, our pastor, Robert Elliott. This is the subject purpose of the book of Romans. Paul defends imputed righteousness by grace through faith, explains progressive sanctification, and presents the certainty of ultimate glorification in order to encourage the Roman church and us to harmonious and victorious Christian living in response to God's grace and in constant reliance upon the indwelling Holy Spirit. Every book of the Bible has a subject purpose statement, but that is the subject purpose statement of Romans. Another way to look at the whole book of Romans is to see the book as a defense of the doctrine of salvation, which comprises three chunks to the book. To uh, defend the doctrine of salvation, there are three major chunks of Romans. The first defense is the progress of salvation. That's chapters 1 through 8. Say that with me. The progress of salvation, chapters 1 through 8. The second chunk of the book, the scope of salvation, chapters 9 through 11. The scope of salvation, chapters 9 through 11. And then the last chunk of Romans, the practical implications of salvation. Chapters 12 through 16. The practical implications of salvation. Chapters 12 through 16. The whole book, if you remember Zorro, the uh, caped crusader, the three chunks of Romans, the progress of salvation, the scope of salvation, the practical implications of salvation. The whole book, a defense of salvation as a doctrine. This morning we saw in Romans 3, 1 to 8, that we are in need of an understanding that God's fingers are not crossed behind his back and his hands are not tied behind his back when he made promises to Israel, the covenants of the Old Testament we went over this morning, and the church being different than Israel, the Israel is not the church, the church is not Israel. When God makes a promise to the church, you and me, in the New Testament, his fingers are not crossed behind his back when he makes those promises to us, and his hands are not tied on delivering those promises, all of them, to the church. So we reverence God. We have reverential fear for God. We saw that this morning. Now, in verses 9 to 20 of chapter 3, we're going to see three chunks or segments. The first being the charges against mankind Summarized. That's verse 9. Secondly, we'll see the guilt of mankind demonstrated. That's verses 10 through 18. And thirdly, we'll see the verdict delivered, verses 19 to 20. So we're saying that Romans 3 
9 to 20. First, the charge is summarized, verse 9. Second, the guilt demonstrated, verses 10 to 18. And third, the verdict delivered, verses 19 and 20. So let's get started. Let's get started with the charges summarized. The charges summarized. And here we'll look at Romans 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. That's the summary of the charges against us. What then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. So who is the we of this verse? What then are we who better than they? The we here are the Jews. The Jews are the we of this verse 9. The Jews are the ones, after all, who had God's special Old Testament revelation. The Jews, after all, were those that possessed the law of God. They are the we of verse 9. Who is the they of verse 9? What then? Are we better than they? Who is the they of verse 9? Well, that is... 99% of us tonight, maybe there's a Jewish convert here tonight. I would love to know afterwards if there is. But the they of verse 9 are the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the ones who were without God's special Old Testament revelation, especially the law of Moses. The Gentiles, the ones who labored under the distinct disadvantage of only having God's general revelation that we read about in Romans 1. Creation, as magnificent as creation is, that points to a creator. General revelation tells you there's a God, but general revelation cannot save you. General revelation can damn you, but it cannot save you. It takes special revelation to save you. The special revelation of God's word centered in God's son, Jesus Christ. And so the we of verse 9, the Jews... The they of verse 9, the Gentiles, the Jews had the distinct advantage of the Old Testament and its laws, the Mosaic laws. The Gentiles had this distinct disadvantage of not having the Old Testament scriptures and of not having an acquaintance with God's Mosaic law. Now, verse 9, however, makes the point that all Jew and Gentile alike, all are under sin. All are under sin. Whether you had the law or whether you didn't have the law, whether you were with the law or whether you were outside of the law, verse 9 says, all are under sin. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. All under sin. Which brings us to our title tonight, We All Need a Lawyer. We're all under sin, so we all need a lawyer. Nobody wiggles out from being under the fact that we alike are sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Later in this chapter we'll read, for all have sinned in 3.23 and fall short of the glory of God. Now, there are four Greek words which are translated as sin in the New Testament. I'm going to just briefly unpack that with you. Only one of these Greek words of the four is referenced in this verse, but let me tell you the other three as well. Four Greek words which are translated sin in the New Testament. First, parapatoma. Parapatoma is its transgressions, specifically rebellion against God. That's sin. The second Greek word for sin in the New Testament is 
anomia, anomia. It is lawlessness, lawless deeds. The prefix a means against or no or non. Nomas or nomia is the law. So anomia is the sin word in the New Testament for lawlessness, lawless deeds. Third, asabia. Asabia in the Greek stood for impurity and ungodliness. That's sin too. And the fourth word, the word is it that is in chapter 3, verse 9, is hamartia. Hamartia. This is the Greek word for sin that stresses failing, falling short, missing the mark. For all have sinned and fallen short. Hamartia of the glory of God. So that it is the word for sin, hamartia, which is used in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under hamartia, all under the charge of failing, all under the charge of falling short, all under the charge of missing God's mark. And verse 9 makes it very clear, all are under this kind of sin. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, an edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue on our story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we left off where Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 said, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advice, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. And he exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Again, as we look at this and we see Nebuchadnezzar, and, you know, I'm sure, like, wow, like, we, I see four men now, and they're not tied as we, as we looked at it. They're bound together. They couldn't move. And we see the son of gods as we, you know, look at that, and we, you know, many believe that that was, you know, the Son of God, Jesus, and, and, and as we consider that and we look at that, it was someone with them. They were there. He was there with them to help them. And whatever way different scholars look at it, the one thing we know that God was in control of this, that God released them. And so when we consider and we've been looking at being bold, uh, we need to recognize that this is what happened. They were bold in what they did, and God had a plan. And we look at verse 26 and said, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And when the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw the fire had no effect on their bodies So these men. Not a hair on their heads were singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. I want you to imagine this for a second. As we consider, we live in this country, and we have sometimes the dump gets on fire and it blows all over the island. And we can smell it in our homes. We can smell it on our clothes. We can smell it on things like we, like we said, we put on the, the, the line, the laundry line. We have to rewash those clothes. You can smell all the smoke from a fire that might be miles away from you. Here it is. These guys did not even smell like smoke. Nothing on them was affected. And as we see this, we see the boldness that they had. They took this stand and God had a plan. And and we need to understand that being bold is, is not an easy thing to do. 
but they were willing to take this stand for Christ. And as we see, and we look at this, and we see how they had no smell of fire on them, no smoke, nothing on them. This is the king respond. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we see this, we see the picture change. Here it is. We saw in chapter 3, we have a golden idol. Worship this golden idol. Now it's changed because of these young men' boldness. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. So here it is. You were told, worship this idol. Now you're being told, because of their stance, worship the only god, the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The decree changes, as we see in in verse 29. Therefore I issue a decree that any one of you, any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You see, we know this story, we've heard this story over and over, and we understand the boldness But what happens? What happens after the fact? And we have to understand this could be two different sides of the coin here. In this case, it worked out great. It worked out where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered. But we also have those cases where we go through the suffering, where we go through the trials, when we go through all the problems. Does it mean that God isn't in both sides of it? And the answer is no. He's in both sides of it. It's just that he has a different plan. But we need to recognize that in all of this, that it's not for us to get the honor and glory. It's for God to get the honor and glory. And this is what's happening in this story is that God, they point everything to God. And because of their boldness and because of what they stood up for, they were able to change the king's heart. They were able to change the king's decree. Instead of bowing down to a golden idol, now we're saying bow down and to the only God. There's no other God who is able to deliver like this. And they they were rewarded. So, in closing, like I said, we may, when we go through trials, it may not end up the same way of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We may go through the fire, and we may get burned. As we consider today's society, we consider today's world, there are many today, more than ever, who die for their faith every single day. And Some people say, well, why are they wasting their lives? In their mind, they're not wasting their life. They're taking a stand for Christ, and they are putting their life on the line for Christ, for what they believe. Think about it. What is it that you hold on to? What is it that you think is the most important thing in your life? Do you take a stand? Do you you care? Do you um, go through that with 100% and, and don't care about what happens? You see, we are living in a time, even in our own country, where unions are going up and, and Rosson Square and, and protesting for this thing and that thing. But I ask you this question. What are you doing for Christ? Are you willing to go on Rosson Square to take a stand for Christ? Are you willing to take a stand for Christ when everyone else has turned their back and no one nothing to do with Christ? Because that's where our nation is going. Our nation is going down that road where everything is being compromised. 
We're going away from what our ancestors built it on a Christian nation. But here it is. These guys took a stand when no one else was willing to take a stand. And because of the stand they took, they made a difference. So I challenge you this morning as a young person, are you willing to be bold in your school? As an adult, are you willing to be bold on your job site? Because you need to recognize that wherever you are and whatever you go through, God is with you and he is going to see you through it. And at the end of the day, he's going to get all the honor, glory and praise, whatever the results are. This is Pastor Nicholas in edition of Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning, Paul Worrell. Good to have you here today. Good morning again, Pastor Rob. Thank Always you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. We're in the recording studio uh, for an exciting purpose this morning, and that is to let our listeners know uh, what it means to have a marriage and a family ministry at Calvary Bible Church. You and your wife, Denise, have been servant leading this group, and uh, t- please tell our listeners anything you would like about our marriage and family ministry. The marriage and family ministry at um, Calvary Bible Church was born because a, a, a group of, of members saw the need for an outreach to, to families and marriages because we saw a lot of destruction within marriages and subsequently within the family structure. You just look at a newspaper and you can see the effects of the destruction and the erosion of Christian values within marriages and within families. And we had a burden to reach out, not only within the Calvary Bible Church Assembly, but throughout the nation, to bring God's perspective on marriage and, as a consequence, also on family. What kinds of things has the ministry done already? Well, we've put on um, seminars. One of the the most well-attended one has been The Art of Marriage, very well attended, and it really is a very entertaining but also very accurate and clear discussion of God's plan for marriage, the roles of the father, the roles of the mother, the role of the husband, the role of the wife. Um, It's a one-day event, sometimes we made it a two-day event, and gave the husband and wife an opportunity to get away from everything. Um, we hold it at a hotel, so you can also um, book a room. Yes. Also, and put some of the things that you've learned into practice. Right. I think you've also, as a ministry, presented some quality movies. We brought, presented some quality movies. Um, my favorite that we actually brought to the country was War Room. War Room. Yeah, it was excellent. And it not only spoke to... Um, husband and wife, but it spoke to the Christian community, the value of prayer, which really should be paramount in any relationship um, among Christians. I I found in my walk as a married man that prayer played the most significant role in developing my relationship with my wife. Mm. I did not come from a background of um, family devotions. My wife encouraged me to have family devotions, not as a nagging wife, but just as a reminding wife. And I must thank her for this in that she didn't take over my role. She wanted me to take on my role. Mm -hmm. And when I did take on my role, I could actually feel God moving in my family. Mm -hmm. 
it actually transformed my marriage. Yes. And that is the attitude we want to bring to marriages throughout this land, really throughout the world. You know, God designed marriage. Yes. It's God's institution. Follow God's plan, and that institution will be preserved. We see the results of not following God's plan. And marriage and family was really born because of that lack that we saw. Mm-hmm. We want to educate, encourage our people to follow God's plan for marriage. Exactly. And God hasn't left us groping around in the dark to figure out Not our own plan. Not at all. But in places like Ephesians, Ephesians 5, five. Oh, yes. basically husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved, loved the, the church. church. And yeah. what that means is transformational. The sacrificial love and life of a husband willing to cover your wife no matter what. Not when you feel like it, but because you are her husband. Right. And that same chapter ta- calls wives to uh, to respect and submit, submit. to or to res- uh, respect their husbands. And boy, when that happens on both sides of the Ledger is like a wonderful ball rolling down a hill. One reinforces the other, right? It's a beautiful tapestry. Absolutely beautiful tapestry. Yes. No doubt listening to us this morning are are people who are married to one another that have a wonderful uh, marriage. God has helped them to uh, sacrificially love or to stand under and to respect. And everything's going really well. Mm -hmm. There are probably some other listeners that are married that um, are in a heartbreaking marriage currently. Uh, things are not going well. Right. Um, how would you encourage that kind of a listener? Without having details, my encouragement will have to be very general. Yes. I have to use it from my own experience. Allow Scripture to be the arbiter of your um, differences. Wow, that's critical. To both agree that let the Bible judge what is right or who is right. Absolutely. Uh, Wonderful. Please carry on. And you must be willing to follow through with that. But I will also, and it's also biblical, seek wise biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always good to have a third party who is knowledgeable of the word, who understands um, the issues in marriages to provide that unbiased approach to reconciliation and restoration. That's good. And no doubt some of our listeners are plugged into good churches, and that's great. They ought to go to their pastors and and be humble enough to say, we're having problems. Uh, For those of our listeners that aren't plugged into churches, uh, you need to plug into a a Bible-believing church uh, this Sunday, start this Sunday, and uh, those of you who do not have a, a Bible-believing church yet, I'd also strongly encourage that you think about making an appointment at the Christian Counseling Center, Absolutely. which is located uh, near our church property on Collins Avenue, and uh, make an appointment. There's some godly uh, counselors over there that have, are well-experienced and very conversant with the Bible, and they will help you. But in both cases, you need to humble yourself and seek some outside help that's rooted in Scripture. Absolutely. Can I just add this analogy? Yes. If I have a Ford car, right, and it was designed by Henry Ford, I don't go to the designer of the BMW to fix the problems in my Ford car. Good point. So why are we going 
all over the place trying to find solutions to our marriages when our God, our Creator, designed this institution that we are having a problem with. Go to His Word. Go to His manual, Holy Scripture. Excellent. I think it would be good if uh, we allowed the uh, listeners to give us their email if they're so inclined so that we can email them when our family and marriage ministry events are happening. Would we that would be a good idea? Oh, yes. We would love to include them in our database. Excellent. The way that listeners could give us their emails would be to send them to eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us your email addresses, then we can uh, see to it that you get regular email updates on the uh, marriage and family ministry here at Calvary Bible Church events, uh, things like that. Pastor Paul, thanks for being with us again. Pastor Rob, it's always a pleasure. I just love introducing people to the Word, and Jesus Christ is my greatest love. Yes, me too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the tremendous gift of marriage. We thank you for uh, making some of us to be husbands and others of us to be wives, and that we can go through life together with a rock-solid commitment uh, until death do us part commitment. We thank you, too, that you've given us the manual for life, uh, the manual for life, which includes the manual for marriage in the Bible. And we pray, Lord, that those who are listening uh, without a church home would make it their priority to find a Bible-believing and preaching and teaching church family starting this Sunday. And for those, Lord, that are uh, really needing to have a Bible-based arbiter, a counselor to assist them in their marriage to make it what it ought to be, that they would uh, consider uh, making an appointment with the Christian Counseling Center located on Collins Avenue. To the end, Lord, that marriages would be all that you want them to be by way of a blessing, and that the blessing of a marriage would become the blessing of a home, that the blessing of a home would become the blessing of a nation. Oh God, we pray that we here in Bahamaland would put you first in our marriages, in our homes, in our nation. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Today, our worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. We invite you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or write us at P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.